This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Subway Series continues. We'll keep you updated. Plus, could the Giants be trying to extend an olive branch to Shaquan? 1-800-919-3776. That's the number to join our conversation on this Wednesday night. Also, hit us up on Twitter at Gordon Damer at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM along with Harvey and Joe. We're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon. Larry, how are you tonight, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, and I'll tell you why. Now, right. I don't know how this game is going to turn out. Yeah. But Still a lot to be played here. A lot to be played. But at least I saw a glimpse of the real Justin Verlander in this game. You did at that. Yes, yeah, certainly far. And it almost reinforces how bad Max Scherzer was last night. It did. You're right. You're right. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So that that's the positive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Buck Showalter... Gordon is as prepared a manager as you would find in the major leagues. Would you agree? I would think so. Yeah. Right. Been doing Uh, a very long time, but this season, this team has not been as attentive to details as they were last year. And I heard Don and Michael and Peter talking about the Mets and Yankees, obviously uh, on the show today. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many differences, even though it's, mostly the same team from last season, Gordon. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a totally different team. And defensively, and the little things are killing this ball club, aside from all the issues that we've talked about over and over and over again until I'm sick of talking about them. Uh, but once again, and it's apparent, on the steal of home. Gordon, nobody said anything. No red flares, no screaming, no jumping up and down, nothing. I was talking to Joe Leo about it before we came on. Nothing, no movement, nobody. Alvarez didn't do anything. Escobar is looking at him at third. He didn't yell or anything. I mean, Kyler Falefa just just stole home. I mean, yep. it, it wasn't even nobody gave nobody gave really any clue. Yeah, it's unacceptable. It was, clear, it was clear Rayleigh had no clue on his own, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, because it wasn't like he just took off. He ran down the line. It almost seemed like he came up with it on the spot. It, it, he was so far off a of third base, he, I, it almost felt like he thought to himself, well, I may as well steal it. I'm already halfway home. Yeah, they're, they're giving it to me, so I'll take right. it. Right, yeah. And, and you, you do. You see tonight, especially, that the, the double play or the attempted double play by uh, McNeil Mm-hmm. trying to double up um, IKF at first you know, on a ball where he clearly sh- clearly forcing the issue, right? Like, yes. And, and under normal circumstances, he would just eat that ball and realize nothing good is going to come from, from me throwing this to first. He doesn't. He tries to do too much, and, of course, it gets away, and that kind of spurs on the inning from that point. And, and the Rayleigh play as well. There's just li- the attention to detail clearly is not there, among other things. No, it's not. And, you know, listen, you, I understand you want to be aggressive. I get it. And McNeil made a heck of a play getting a double play on Stanton earlier. Mm-hmm. But, Gordon, IKF is not Stanton. He's no, he, a big he, difference, right. Huge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, put the ball in your pocket. And, and look, I get it. Viento should have had it. But, I mean, Gordon, you, you, you he was already safe. He was already safe at first base, I mean, at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um he should have had it. He should have even if, make sure you knock the ball down to make mm-hmm. sure it doesn't get by you. But, uh, yeah, tough situation there. Yeah, tough situation for him. And he's already saved a couple of errors on this game already. 
Say one he from has. Lindor. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's he's played okay. He's he's played well. Got a hit, so he's done what he's supposed to do. Uh, so now we'll see if this Met team can come up and get a big hit with the runners in scoring position, which is something that's you know usually foreign to them. <laughs> Except well, for Tommy Pham tonight. Bases nice loaded, job. right? Bases loaded here, and and Nimmo at the plate. I don't think that right now, based on how everybody's hitting, I don't think that there's a hitter that you would rather have up in a spot than Nimmo. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that because he's a guy that puts the bat on the ball. So mm-hmm. that that's something you need here. Oh, he just got hit. Oh, or, did he? Or did he? Right. <laughs> I thought he did. Well, he gets the bat on the ball and he gets himself on the ball sometimes. So, yeah, they did hit him and uh, that'll force in a run, making it a 3-2 game. Now, I'm not going to second guess the Yankees, Gordon. I'm okay. not. But I did find it curious that they brought Cordero in after he just pitched last night. Mm-hmm. And I have this thing about, you know, relievers that you see, a, that you can see back to back. You kind of mm-hmm. get an idea of what they throw. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't as sharp tonight. Um, no, by he didn't throw the a lot last night. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, he, he, was not, he was not real great tonight. But they're going back to Marinaccio. And I would think that if they're able to get out of this, I have to think King is available tonight. He didn't throw a whole lot of pitches last night. No, he didn't. So, and and look, the Mets are another run away from tying this up. We might have extra innings, so who knows who's going to be available by the end of the night. Yeah, and here's what I know. I know there's not a lot of depth in that Met bullpen, uh, obviously mm-hmm. without, uh, you know, without a couple of their guys. And mm-hmm. Robertson, you know, he he is number He is the only person in my circle of trust. <laughs> Right, on that bullpen. It's 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 only him. Uh, Adavino has a toe on the line, getting in the circle, but that's about it. That's about it. So we'll keep an eye on this one for you and let you know what's going on. Subway Series, uh, Yankees leading the Mets three two as the Mets bat in the bottom of the seventh with the bases loaded and two out. Gordon, a lot of conversation. Uh, some of it started by our Alan Hahn about the Knicks and Bradley Beal. And so, once again, as I've told you, when you search Twitter, there are just so many different, excuse me, so many different rumors of trades going on. It's crazy. And so, you know, I've seen Bradley Beal. Obviously, Zion Williamson is always rumored to be coming here for some reason. (laughs) He is one of those guys. Absolutely. If you had familiar names that have been attached to teams, he would be an all-star for that. Absolutely. He is. He is always rumored to be coming here. So you got him. You know. You, you got, so it, it put to my mind, Gordon. I, Bradley Beal. I don't look from a talent standpoint. I get it. A great scorer, uh, a guy who could put points on the board for you. Him and uh, you know, obviously in, in your backcourt doesn't it, it improves your backcourt significantly. I get it. It does. But Gordon, I don't know if if. I think I'd rather make changes in the front court rather than the back court. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, you, you do need to get some shooting, right? I mean, if, if, we, yes. if we could pinpoint the one thing that you really need, shooting would be it. But I hear what you're saying about changing things in the front court rather than the back court. Yeah, it's just me. It's just a preference I have. And because I know you need scoring, right? I get that. And clearly, you do. But I'm also mindful of you know, the team's identity of being a defensive team. And 
Listen, Bradley Beal is an unbelievable player. He's an unbelievable scoring talent. There's no question about that. And he would add to the team. But does add to the team at what expense? Exactly. So now, if, if, if and I, don't, I guess it's a trade because he's just been signed. So mm-hmm. first of all, who are you trading? Obviously, RJ's gone, I would think. Uh, Obi Toppin's gone because he's the other person that I see in all the trades <laughs> involving the Knicks. And, you know, a, a, a gazillion draft picks. So I guess that's the way to go. Yeah, uh, it does seem like uh, this one might have some legs. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I, I felt this way. And again, as you said, would I like to have Bradley Beal on the Knicks? That's one question. Would I like to trade for Bradley Beal given the reality of the situation? That that answer, I can tell you, is clearly no. Mm-hmm. Given the fact that this is a guy who is hurt quite a bit, he mm-hmm. and he's a good player. Do I look at him as a great player? Is Bradley Beal a great player? No. Yeah. And then you get into his contract, Larry. Yeah, he makes a lot of money. That a has to be of one of the worst contracts in the sport. Next mm. year, he's going to be making $46 million. He is signed through 26-27. And it, and his, as you can probably guess, his contract only goes up. <laughs> 46 next year, 50, 53, 57. Are the Knicks a Bradley Beal away? Is, is that the guy? You have all these assets. You've set yourself up well with all these assets at your disposal. Is that the guy you're burning all the assets for? I don't know. I have mixed reactions about it, Gordon. I, I do. I, I, salary is is one thing, and and mm-hmm. how he fits. You know, how does he fit on this team? Does this become a really backcourt, pr- predominantly backcourt scoring team? Is, is that what happens to them? Uh, and and is <laughs> and is Julius Randle part of this deal? <laughs> That's the yeah. other question. You know, because he would, Gordon. Somebody's got to make some money to be part of this deal. Because, like you mentioned, he's making a lot of money. So I would have to think that Randall would have to be somewhat a part of the deal, Gordon, because of the, the money's got to fit in some way. And that's a lot of money. That's uh, a lot and, of money. And Beal, could you imagine a guy like Bradley Beal and Tom Thibodeau together? No. A guy who has too. averaged 50 games a season the last three years? Yeah. I, I don't see that being a, a match. I don't see his his defense really being a match – and I get it. Um, the Knicks are going to – everybody is waiting to see what the Knicks are going to do, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really feel like we have a – it doesn't really feel like that the, the, their hand has been tipped in any way just yet. Right. So we're all kind of thinking, well, could it be this? Could it be that? Uh, again, if you told me I could just simply – this is uh, like a Madden game where I can just mm-hmm. simply for, force a trade that this guy ends up on that team, Yeah, that's one thing. Yep. But to to give whatever resources I'm going to have to give up for a player who is injured as much as Bradley Beal is, how much better does that make the Knicks? And at the cost that it will actually cost in terms of money and salary cap and all that type of stuff, for me, it would be a hard pass. And and it would be hard, Gordon, because once again, you're and it comes to the conversation that we've had previously, right? Is okay. You've passed on Donovan Mitchell. Even though there's there's people who seem to think that he they may still trade for him. <laughs> We're going back down that road, right? We we have no idea. They haven't tipped their hand yet, so let's just throw. Maybe we'll go back down that road. Why not? 
you know, so so that's that I've seen floating throughout the the the, the universe. Uh, so you, you've got that, and then you're. It's like, well, because you didn't get Donovan Mitchell, are you forced, right, Gordon, to make a move now to try to better your team because you realize that clearly Miami's going to do something. Okay, they saw that their team ran its course. They did as much as they could do. The ceiling for Miami, they went as far as they could go in this in, in this season. They know they need more talent. And Pat Riley's got no problem going out to get them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so you know they're going to improve. I would think Milwaukee's going to make some changes, Gordon, even though they had the injuries. You got a new head coach. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, you got a new head coach in Philly. I think they're going to be better because I think Nick Nurse is is – a little better coach as far as with doc than doc rivers is uh for what the success that he's been able to have i think he he does he's a little more defensive oriented than i think doc is and that's going to serve philly well so you're talking about teams already in your in your division that's going to be better and you can't stand pat because let's face it you your team ran this course Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you are that is as far as you could go and Listen, let's be fair. Had Cleveland not – if Cleveland had more experience in their front court, Gordon, I don't know. It might have been yeah, a little maybe. different series with Cleveland. Impossible. Yeah, no question. Um, Am I, and Boston's going to do something. They, uh, Everybody's going to try to get better, right? Yep. Um, and, and, and Miami's the type of team with the way they are able to develop guy, undrafted guys, they can afford to overpay for a guy like a like – a, a Bradley Beal, because even if it sucks up a bunch of their salary cap, they'll find somebody who's making no money, and yet they'll still be a productive player for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that would not surprise me at all. Um, to me, if I'm the Knicks and you're you're, I'm almost sitting like an emperor. I'm Emperor Leon, and and people are bringing me ideas, and I'm yeah. giving it the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Yes, there's some that the the thumb might be a little sideways. Mm-hmm. I haven't really heard anything that, as for me as a Nick fan, I would say definite thumbs up. That's the way to go. But I've right. heard a lot of thumbs down, and Bradley Beal, that would be a thumbs down for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an interesting, it's an intriguing situation. But I remember what Bobby Mark said to me a couple of weeks ago, Gordon. He said you can one or two moves can change, can take your great chemistry. You can become a, you can go from a fourth seed to a play in in a minute. With two bad moves, and oh, so yeah. that's the other scary thing, right? You you want to improve, and listen, we've seen what they tried to do before, trying to improve this team after getting to the postseason. <laughs> trying well, to say, you know, with the Knicks and company, the, the Knicks are the poster child for two bad moves. Can they, they went from the four seed one year, they make two essentially two big moves with uh, with Fournier and Kemba, miss the playoffs, miss the play in, both are kind of an afterthought. And then this past offseason, they they make one really big move, and it takes them from out of the playoffs, out of the play-in, to a team that made the second round of the playoffs. So, no, absolutely, I completely agree with that. 1-800-919-3776. Mets and Yankees tied at three. Yankees batting in the top of the eighth off that against that guy that's just outside of my circle of trust. (laughs) Uh Adovito. Yeah. (laughs) Just outside. We'll get your calls next on 98.7 ESPN.
This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, once again, another example of what I'm talking about with this Met team. And I get all the new rules and you're trying, but normally this is this is why you have spring training to go through right. these rules to figure this out so you understand, so you know what's happening. They had a full spring training. Now, you know, some of them were off to, you know, uh, playing and, you know, representing the country. But I'm saying, still, you should know with the new alignment where you can stand and where you can't stand. Now, it didn't hurt them mm-hmm. in the case because, you know, they were able to get standing out. But, you know, that pitch became a ball after, after he was, it was a strike. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've seen that so far this season. I've that they call that the, the second, you know, obviously the second baseman has to be on the second base side when mm-hmm. the pitch is thrown. There's no more shifting. Uh, and McNeil was straddling the bag, but I guess his right foot was on the shortstop. I mean, I, I mean, like, what are we? Uh, <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, this this is what we're focusing on. Yes. Um, but that's what we're focusing on, and and yeah, just another little detail that um, that the Mets have not gotten right tonight. But it did not. I have to be honest. When it happened, I said, well, "What is the punishment for that? Do you play without a second baseman the rest of the inning? Is that possible?" <laughs> That's not the punishment. So, uh, no, but just got look, a ball. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, the little details, which you would figure with a Buck Showalter type team would be something that the Mets would be nailing. Right, yeah. you're really buttoned up with a Buck Showalter yeah. leading your squad, but that has not been the case this series. Has not been the case this season, and uh, got to get things straightened out here sooner or later. I mean, aside from the hitting and pitching issues, right? Aside from that, right? Gordon, aside, aside Gordon, from those, <laughs> Gordon, it's almost like. They never recovered from losing the division to Atlanta last season. And then they well, go into the postseason. They get mm-hmm. bum-rushed by San Diego. It's just they never recovered. Well, that's getting back to my point that it almost feels like they're uh, – uh, and you never want to say this about a professional. You never want to say this about anybody. But it's almost like they're mentally soft. Like they don't respond – to adversity last year when they got a taste of adversity they melted down and they have not recovered this year and coming into this year there was more expectations yeah. there was more money there was more talk the more focus on the Mets and they've never really seemed to click this year they've never really seemed to to be them bet their best selves so I don't know maybe maybe you have to hit rock bottom it doesn't really feel like that they have sometimes that can be a quick thing if they were to somehow walk off the game tonight and get a win maybe that might be the thing that spurs them a little bit but mm-hmm. um yeah it doesn't it does you can't have a good feeling about things with the Mets right now you know and they had more adversity this year I mean you start out knowing you're not going to have your closer for the mm-hmm. year I right. mean and, and then you move everybody moves up and now if you're Billy Epler, you're like, okay, well, this is good. No, you need to just be because of what happened. You need to go out and find some other pitchers, you know, just in case, you know. And of course, he couldn't foresee that Scherzer was going to be this bad. I mean, he he could he could know that. He's figuring, well, okay, Scherzer's going to be Scherzer. And and like you said last night, Gordon, okay, they'll be all right early. I may have to worry about what I'm going to do, or maybe we stretch them out. We get an extra day around the next turn as we get to July and August because they might wear down. I mean, but they, they're they starting like this, especially him. So it's it's just been it's, it's just been a weird season to watch them just not be able to to do the little things, Gordon. And that's what's, you know, I, once again, I, I think they had a great discussion on the K-Show today. It's not, 
it's baseball, right? You, you fail seven out of ten times, and you're a great hitter, <laughs> all right? But it's 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 key situations where they don't produce. It's it's key plays. It's it's just other things that put extra pressure on them to try to do something. And then now when they're at bat, we run this in scoring position. They got sawdust in their hands because they're grinding the bat so hard. Yeah, uh, it definitely feels like they are a team that that feels the pressure. They'll they'll tell you as every team does. No, that doesn't that doesn't impact us. That doesn't affect us. But they definitely seem like a team that is is feeling the the pressure in the moment. Um, but again. Get a win tonight. It's a 3-3 game. When, when you go down 3-1 and the Yankees are stealing home, it feels like here's more of the same. But you have an opportunity. Um, you, you have your, your big bats up here, right? I mean, you're not missing. I know you're missing Pete Alonso, but outside of that, this is, this is your team. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe Lindor finally breaks out or maybe Nimmo gets another big hit. or so, Somebody's got to step up and, and, and actually change it. And until and- it changes – the criticism is still going to be there. Yeah, and once again, not not trying to point out every mistake, but just to continue our conversation, once again with Nemo, bad running play. Oh, base yeah. running play. Where, today. where are you going there? You know, and that's it's two days in a row he's made a, a bad play, and that's unlike mm-hmm. him. And so once again, you get into the situation. Okay, everybody's trying to do too much. No, stop, stop. Just do what you're supposed to do. I'd rather you go station to station rather than take a wide turn and now you can't get back. You know, because you got to know who's in front of you. It's just these yeah. are the little things. Okay, it's bad enough. And the bases that... were loaded. Yeah. So there's a guy. There's a guy that's occupying third. You know, he's not scoring. This two no. runs weren't scoring on that right. play. No. More conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. I just think over the last three or four years when we've heard Bradley Beal rumors, I don't think they've ever been super legitimate, but I do think right now before the draft, if they're going to do it, it would be now. And I think that the heat would be at the front of it. And I'm going to tell you, if Bradley Beal gets traded between now and next Thursday, I think people are going to be very surprised at the price Mm. and how potential low it's going to be because his contract is not attractive especially going forward what it would mean to have a 50 million dollar player on your team that may not be you know a first or second all nba type player and that's if i'm not saying they're going to that's our brian windhorst weighing in on the possibility of bradley deal being moved and gordon that's the other interesting thing the only player in the league with a no trade contract wow that's a weird one it is it is, you know, so that kind of makes you think he wants to stay in Washington. Otherwise, he would, you know, well, he did that to get the money. Now he's got the right. money. He's like, well, you know, I'll, uh, listen, you know. Well, that contract, we'll, we'll the, the the money of the contract almost makes it a no-trade clause. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, how many teams does. are lining up for 50 million? He, he's getting paid 50 million a year and playing 50 games a year. It's not <laughs> you know, bad. It's not, not exactly. It's a great deal for him. I don't know it necessarily is. that it's a great deal for whoever he's playing for, though. Well, that's great if you can get that. Oh, Come on. He's got a heck of an agent. Yeah, he's got a great agent. Great <laughs> he agent. He does. He does. I mentioned earlier, our Alan Hahn seems to think that this might be a pretty good deal for the Knicks. Ted Leonsis has been big on loyalty. He was with Alex Ovechkin on his hockey team. They ended up winning a championship. Eventually, he'd be very loyal to Bradley Beal, so that would be a tough conversation to have. 
But let's say they do get there. There's a team in the East that could use this player. And actually, they've been linked to him in the past. It's the Knicks. You oh. put him next to Jalen Brunson. You've got a backcourt that's one of the best in the league as far as scoring goes. Very unstoppable. And he is at a point in his career where he's trying to be about winning. And the Knicks have all the things that the Wizards would need. Young players and draft picks. So that's a team to watch. The Sixers have also, in the past, been linked to Bradley Beal. In fact, Beal has suggested in the past that the Sixers would be an interesting place for him to play with Joel Embiid. So those are areas that I would look at, but I think Van Vliet's going to Philly. So I would imagine if he does become available, you would see the Knicks be very aggressive in trying to get him. Both Alan Hahn and Brian Windhorst were on Get Up this morning with Greeny. Uh, so that's an interesting scenario there. But once again, Gordon, the positives, of course, the scoring would be unbelievable. If he played, then availability is a major factor here, just like it is with Zion Williamson. Now, there's an article that Stefan Bondi has in the Daily News where he's talking about, you know, just names that are out there. And he, this is the Zion Williamson deal and possibly the Carl Anthony Towns rumors, mm -hmm. which I don't see either because I don't think he wants to do a part two <laughs> with Tom Thibodeau. Um, those are the only two that I see that have mentioned Julius Randle's name attached to them. They, the Williamson one, according to Bondi, they would move Randle for that deal because they want to give Williamson a, a place to, to a spot to play mm -hmm. to start. So that's intriguing. And, and Gordon, can, can I stop with the Zach Levine? <laughs> Can I stop? <laughs> this this feels oh. like a greatest hits of people who are going to be next, doesn't it? I mean, it's like it's like oh. a, a, the same cast of characters, you know. And, and now he admits that you know that the Chicago's probably going to run it back, and Levine's probably not going to be there. But he's right. Levine is always rumored to be coming to the Knicks. Oh, always. always, always, always. I I I don't even remember when Zach Levine came into the league, but whatever it was, it feels like he's been rumored to go to the Knicks the next year. Uh, yeah, he's coming every, to the Knicks every year. <laughs> it does feel that way. And look, he, you know, there's not a player that is being mentioned that you'd say, oh, they all have. Um, positives to, to, to bring yes. to the table. Mm -hmm. But Zach Levine just signed a contract five years, $215 million. Yep. Again, I don't even know if he would be available, but if he is, the Bulls are going to want a lot back. Mm -hmm. And the they Knicks are. have put themselves in a position where they're in a good spot. They have some assets and, and if they're going to make a big time move, you're going to have to empty the piggy bank to a, a large degree. Yeah. Is is Zach Levine the difference maker? Yeah. I don't again, he's exciting. He has times where he's an exciting player, but another guy who's hurt a lot, mm -hmm. making a ton of money, and I don't know that he's really a, a difference maker. The other concern I have, Gordon, and this is probably in the back of the Knicks mind as well, is and listen, this is no knock, this is just citing his resume. The fourth year is normally when Tom Thibodeau's team start to digress mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. They've heard him yelling and screaming. They're, they're a little worn out. <laughs> and they tend to take a step backwards. And for this is a huge year for this team and for him because he's got a five-year deal. He would like to, obviously, you don't want to go into the fifth year without a contract because that's a lame duck coach. You, you don't want to do that. No, that won't, yeah. 
you know, you kind of want to get the extension going and, you know, proven. And look, let's face it. He's got two out of the three years. He's got the team to the postseason. Mm-hmm. All right. But his track record says this year could be, eh, the problem. Yep, could be a big issue. Mm-hmm. So it's not only who you bring in, but what's their mindset when you bring them in here? And how is he going to feel? You know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's so much. It's so much going on for this team this season, this coming season. And I get it. You don't want to generally, you know, a great coach is able to take whatever talent he has and meld the team around that. And yes. that's why I don't think Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. I think he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. He's a good coach. You give him players that he can work with, and he will work with them. And, and you look at the, the the Knicks that have thrived with Tibbs here. It's not really a surprise that those are Tibbs kind of guys, right? Josh Hart coming here, he was a prototypical kind of Tibbs kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Brunson, typical uh, 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 Tibbs kind of guy. R.J. Barrett to a certain extent. All these guys that are getting mentioned, it doesn't seem like they're Tibbs kind of guy. Uh, um, between uh, Bradley Beal or Zach Levine or... Zion. None of these guys, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Yeah, we know he's not. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We've been down this road. Didn't we already do this? Yeah. It doesn't seem like any of the people that are being mentioned. And, and take a look, like the last time the Knicks went out and did things where it didn't really seem like there was a met, uh, uh, like a, a match with the head coach. Mm-hmm. It was when they went out and got Fournier yeah. and they brought in Kemba Walker yeah. and had that turn out. Not so good. I do think, I, I get it. Like people will say, well, you shouldn't be tailoring the team because what if what if Tibbs has a bad year this year and, and midway through the season you decide to change coaches? Now you're you're stuck with all these guys that are Tibbs guys that you, the next coach might not really mesh with. Mm-hmm. But if you if you're if you believe in what happened this past year and you believe that you have set a foundation. I do think that that kind of has to be part of the equation where you're weighing whatever players you acquire and how they mesh with the head coach. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be because you're trying to get to the postseason and go further than you did last year. So you've got to find a way that you have players that fit what he brings to the table. That's that's what you have to do. Now, of course, if he was a really, really great coach, he would tailor Absolutely. the players you bring to him. Absolutely. He'd be able make to them figure fit out a him. Way. Yeah. Right. right. But he's he's not that guy. You yeah. know? Spolstra down in Miami, right? Yes. Like you give him a little bit of this and a little he's like MacGyver. He'll figure out a way to make it work. <laughs> yep. That's not Tibbs. No. It's not Tibbs at all. Not at all. Yankees batting in the top of the ninth. We're tied at three. They've got two out and two on. We'll come back and see what happens in the game and talk to you on the phones on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, um, this is an interesting inning because I, the Mets have to win this game here. I have no faith in the bullpen after this. None. After Robertson did his job, got the Yankees mm-hmm. on the top of the inning. Mm-hmm. I have no faith. The, the bullpen has been better than I expected tonight so far. I have no faith that if, if the Yankees get the chance to come up in the 10th, I think they win this game. Yeah. Well, I, I think the Mets will win it in this inning. Okay. Um, it, it, we're both like uh, picking against our teams because what we've witnessed so far this year, 
I, I mean, it does need to be restated. The Yankee, and this is what makes Max Scherzer's struggles last night so alarming. The Yankees' offense stinks. Yeah, <laughs> it stinks. It does. Even bad. the guys who are supposed to be good, they stink. Like Stanton stinks right now. Uh, Rizzo yeah. stinks right now. LeMahieu looks washed. Um, they just don't have many. They don't have. They don't have good hitters in their lineup. No, it's terrible. It yeah. is legitimately terrible. The Yankees have two guys in their lineup who have lower batting average than than Daniel Vogelback. No. Wow. No, and that, and they play be. and they play fairly regularly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's not good. Josh Donaldson's hitting third tonight, Larry. He's hitting one thirty three on the season with a bullet. <laughs> One thirty-three. He's batting third. I know. But, but what? But the bottom of your order is produced. What? You, the bottom of your order has gotten on base tonight. Billy McKinney. Crazy. He's a superstar. He is. It's like Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers. Uh, that's that, that's the, like the Yankee offense. They're one for twelve with runners in scoring position. If yeah. they had, if they had one, if Stanton could get hot for a week. Or even a game, they could have won this game tonight. Or yeah. Rizzo could get hot for a week. Yeah, he's really – I'm shocked at him. This is not – he looks lost. At looks absolutely lost. Uh, I, I would have to think that, that that injury is still somewhat of a factor because this does not, to seem, does not seem like him at all. No. Um, but, I mean, the Yankee lineup I, – I, I, I'll be honest. When they score runs, I'm surprised. <laughs> Because they're terrible. You know how many walks the Yankees have? They have two walks tonight. Two. That's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, you, when the Yankees lineup was good, even when it wasn't great, they would walk a bunch of times. They'd have base runners on. Mm-hmm. In terms of on base, they are terrible. Two. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Two. They're, they're so bad. They're struggling. They're oh. struggling. They really are. It, it shows you the value of Aaron Judge that his mere presence is enough to make this offense functional. Yeah. And people still pitch them. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I have no idea why. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Hey, Robbie in Massachusetts. What's going on, my friend? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm Gordon, I couldn't agree with you more about this offense. It's anemic. Can I ask you a question, guys? <laughs> Why in the world was Garrett Cole taken out after they are three one? You're paying this guy thirty six million dollars. You take him out for six innings. I absolutely can't stand it. I don't care if he's a nice guy. I guess he's a nice guy. From what I heard, I hate Aaron Boone. I can't stand the lineup. Who backs a guy like Donaldson and backs him third? What is at least Buck? I'll give Buck this credit. I know the Mets are struggling. At least Buck will give you somewhat of a traditional lineup with guys at table set. The Yankees still don't have a table setter. Last year they had Ben and he's gone. And Lemayu, what is with these averages, Gordon? Can you figure this out? And Larry, chime in on this because I got to ask you guys this: Why do we have such crappy averages now in Major League Baseball? And Don LeGrecker called me the other day. He said I was an Amish, but described me as an Amish buggy. Except I didn't get a chance to respond to Donnie. And I like I love the show in the afternoon. But I mean, I'd rather be an Amish buggy that works than be a two hundred. I was compared to a, a car that goes two hundred miles and a car that goes two hundred miles that doesn't work well. Because what I see in Major League Baseball is guys' inability to play. Uh, situational hitting, put the ball in play, move runners properly, play defense properly. And if people think this is the type of baseball you want where guys are making $20 million and hitting a buck fifty, you can have it. Because I think it's just garbage. And why Boone has to take you know, take out Cole? He's sailing along. He's giving up one run and six hits. What makes you want to take him out? A relief pitcher is to come in for relief purposes, right? For when a guy was either tired or he stunk. Now we just take him out just to take him out. 
little third time around the order. You know, and then all this other the analytic BS all the time. These guys, your ace for crying out loud. Anyway, get your thoughts, guys. I, I just I just find it really annoying when you, you see your guys cruising along and you take them out there six innings. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Robbie. I got you. Thanks for the phone. You see Mike Breen uh, watching this? Yeah, game? Mike Breen at the game. Mike I know Breen the K shows at the game. All the big names yeah. are at the game. All the beautiful people, Larry. That's it. The yeah. Big, yes. The hall, future Hall of Famers and Hall of Famers mm-hmm. are at the game. Uh, bang! Bang! <laughs> it's probably it's probably something, Gordon, it probably is. It's probably an analytical thing. All right? He went third time through the order. Listen, let's not add too much. Let's not put the, the pitch count too high on him. Let's see if we can get him out early and, you know, get him ready or whatever. You know, I'm, I understand the concern, but, you know, that's what they – they've got numbers to back it up. Whatever it is, they've got numbers to back it up, Gordon. The Yankee bullpen is the best bullpen in baseball. Um, now, look, I'm going to give you the devil's advocate. I'm, I'm sure. going to give you what I think Boone and the Yankees are thinking. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I agree with it, but I think that they probably watched Cole over those next. You know, he was unhittable the first four innings, and then all of a sudden he was getting touched up a little bit, a lot, a lot of hard contact, even though it was only one run. You mm-hmm. don't want to make the move after he's given up the home run, and he's had right. problems giving up the home run lately. So they probably figured, you know what, I got a lot of my – my good relievers tonight, at least Marinaccio they had tonight. I think mm-hmm. that they kind of trust Cordero as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably why. And look, it's not really a surprise. Cole's like a six-inning pitcher right now. Now, yeah. maybe part of that is they want to – they look at the long haul and they want to keep him fresh and they don't want – God forbid he goes down because then yeah. – <laughs> then, <laughs> then, then, uh, pull up the windows and, and, and shut it down for the year. But uh, I think that that was probably their thinking. The, the offense thing – the Yankees do not have good hitters. They mm. did absolutely nothing in the offseason to improve the offense. Mm-hmm. The offense was the problem last year. So why would you think that it was going to be good this year? Yeah. I haven't, I I haven't heard Aaron Boone double down on that. Josh Donaldson's really going to get back to where he was like he's predicted in, in spring training. No, I haven't heard that either. Mm. Smart move by him. Yeah, that, we'll let, that one, yeah let that one go. <laughs> let that one go. <laughs> Quiet. Yeah, I didn't really say. Did you do? Did I really say that? Yeah. <laughs> Gordon, this is an interesting situation uh, with the Mets, and it's I'm talking about Daniel Vogelback. And um, he spoke before the game today. Let's hear what he had to say about uh, you know what's going on with him. Buck just wanted to give me a uh, maybe mental break, not necessarily can use it that way. Just like I said the other day, just trying to get my swing back to the ultimate goal of helping the New York Mets win. And I feel like when my swing is where it needs to be and I'm swinging the bat the way that I know I'm capable of swinging the bat, I you know I f- can make this lineup better. And that's the ultimate goal is to get back to doing what I've done my whole career. All right. And uh, Gordon, he thinks he's close. If you look into the data, you know, for getting technical, I have over a 50% hard rate hit on the year. I'm still walking at the clip that I normally walk at. It's just something small that can lead to me not getting the ball in the air like I like to get the ball in the air. And being able, like I said, to get in the cage um, and really dive into stuff that I can really go after and not have to worry about, you know, repeating it in the game that same night. So I always use the term muscle memory, um, just trying to repeat swings so that you don't have to think about it and you just go back to, you know, doing what I do. All right, so that's Daniel Vogelbach before the game. Uh, Gordon, I got to say, when I first heard mental break, I thought the absolute worst. 
I thought because we've had a series now of, of athletes, professional and amateur, who feel comfortable enough now, and this is kind of like thanks to Kevin Love, who's the first one that jumps out in my mind, of making it obvious as to the pressures that professional athletes and amateur athletes deal with. And there's been a host of other athletes who have come forward after that. And so it, it, it makes you think about the pressures, and we talk money all the time with athletes, right? But it makes you think about the pressures of performance, okay? And here's a guy who has been the topic of, he's been the poster boy right now for lack of production for this Met lineup. Really, since he's been here, uh, he had a couple of hits last year, a couple of things, but this year he's been he's been he's been non-existent almost. And so when you hear mental mental break, the first thing you think of is, uh oh, is is has the struggles led to something more devastating? And then he says, but I'm not going to take it that way. So, Gordon, I'm trying to figure out: is he trying to downplay it because he doesn't want it to be made a big deal of? Or is he really got an issue with the pressures of the team not doing well and he not doing well and what is expected of him? And he realizes he's not helping the team. And it's, it is a mental strain on him. Well, it did seem like he was the, 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 the whipping boy or the, the poster child for the Mets struggles because it doesn't make really much sense to be continually trotting him out there. And, um, when on a good team, Daniel Vogelback should be a bat off the bench. He should not be the everyday starting DH for a playoff-bound team. So I don't know what the Mets were thinking to begin with. Uh, the amount of at-bats that they have wasted on him uh, seems to be uh, obviously a mistake. So I, w- I would think that they just want to give him maybe a fresh start and Almost like putting the the sour milk in the fridge and opening it up tomorrow and seeing if it's fresh tomorrow because whatever he was doing, it was not working. It was not helping the team. And I don't understand why they continued to just trot him out there like he has some great track record that would tell you, oh, yeah, no, this guy, this guy, he clearly deserves every day at bats when that is just simply not the case. It always When they acquired him and Ruff and they were going to platoon them, Nobody was happy with that. It didn't yeah. seem to make a whole lot of sense. But okay, maybe they found something analytically that would work for them. It didn't work for them. So they got rid of Ruff, and for some reason, they made the other part of the platoon the everyday DH. <laughs> That's, what sense does that make? So I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he needs a mental break. If he does, so be it. Okay, great. Um, I, I don't really expect... You know, because in his role... As like a role player, he has really one skill. He he walks. Yeah. He's got a little bit of pop, but not. But he had one year in Seattle where he had like I think twenty home runs or something, but not much. Mm-hmm. So I just don't. It almost feels like the Mets have kind of set him up to fail, given that the expectations of the everyday DH on a playoff team should be a guy who's a real masher, and that's just not him. He's like a bat off the bench. That's that's what his role should be. We'll continue the conversation on ninety eight seven ESPN. 